0: On KXNO,
1: Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The FX. PSAs you hear on Miller and & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Of eleven o'clock as we resume in hour number two. Zubin Mahente coming up in about twenty minutes. Our friend from ESPN Radio. Uh Trent Zubin and I will go around the world of sports. Well, we won't touch every single one of them, but we'll bounce around is what we'll do and what we normally do with Zubin in that time slot. Right now, Matt postens Heartland College Sports. Trent, you and I have not even touched on the last miles situation. Right. Uh, He is now out at Kansas, right thing there. Maybe the AD needs to follow him out the door. Long has not made, well, Petrino at Arkansas was good enough, and then they tried to pull an end around on Beattie and blame all the problems on him, took him to court, didn't end well. Uh, And now, uh, apparently, without even interviewing anybody else, he put Les Miles in charge. And really didn't do his homework on LSU. Uh, Matt Poston joins us. A lot of ground to cover with Matt. He also covers the Dallas Cowboys. And they've got a quarterback and an expensive one for the next four years. Big 12 tournament's on the horizon. And Matt joins us. Hello, Matt Poston's. Trent Trenton Ken, how are
2: you? I'm good, guys. What do you want to talk about? <laughs>
1: yeah, there's so <laughs> much, right? It really is. Um, well, let, let's start with Kansas and with, with Les Miles. and And I think... Maybe Jeff Long needs to be, and maybe there is heat on him, and I just you know haven't um, haven't done my homework on that. But but there certainly should be because it came out in uh, in the trial uh, against David Beatty when they were he was in such a rush to replace him. Apparently they didn't even interview other uh, anybody other than Les Miles, and then to come and find out all of the baggage he had at LSU. This is a bad look on Kansas. Yes, they did the right thing but boy oh boy, uh, not a good look.
2: Yeah, it's not a good look at all and and I don't uh, I don't know how much of the investigation that LSU did was public. I mean, it seems like all of this stuff just happened or just came to light in the last yeah. week. So, how much of that Jeff Long could have had, could have had access to? I don't know. But just the mere fact that LSU's athletic director actually recommended to the Board of Trustees that they fire Les Miles after that investigation internally tells you a lot about what LSU thought about what had happened while Miles was there. It's all very slimy. I mean, if you you read into it and you you read the report, and I I, I gave the report a glance the other night, the one that the uh, law firm put together, and it's all pretty you know, pretty slimy stuff. It when you got to sequester your, you got to sequester your head coach from your student workers. That's <laughs> that's a significant problem. And the fact that you know Jeff Long apparently didn't know any of this, or maybe worse yet, chose to ignore it when he hired Les Miles in the first place. Right. If it's the latter, that to me. If I'm the university president and the board of trustees, that's something I'm strongly considering. Maybe making a change at AD because you, you just can't. A, you can't do a search where you don't do that kind of a background check, and B, you can't do a search where you only look at one head coach. That just those things don't apply anymore.
0: So I hear two things from Kansas Twitter or message boards: bring back me and Gino, which we know is not going to happen, or we have to find our Matt Campbell. Is that what they're saying? Who's Kansas? Is Matt
2: Campbell? Do oh. you got a name? I have a name. Yes, I have a name. Careful. I would go go talk to Bill Clark at UAB.
0: That's a good one.
2: Give me that name again. Uh, Bill Clark at UAB. He uh, was the head coach at Jacksonville State for a year, took them to the SCS quarterfinals, took the UAB job in 2014, and then, of course, they killed the program Mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. that first season. He chose to stay because he had faith that the Boosters could resurrect the program. They did. And now he has been to three straight Conference USA Championship games and won two, two Conference USA titles. He's that type of coach. He He's that type of guy that can come in and rebuild a program. It's going to be a much harder job than UAB. But he has a reputation for rebuilding programs. And to me, he would be on my list of guys to talk to.
1: Interesting. Uh, what Whoever gets that gig, I mean, I, I don't know what the timetable would be before – <laughs> When was two was his Mangino two thousand eight or two thousand nine the run eight, eight? eight yes uh, that was a long time ago what what's it going to take to get Kansas back heck even to playing five hundred football it's been such a long time
2: yeah I think that's the goal right now get back to five hundred and you know they keep you know they keep going in fits and starts with head coaches and. You know, it's funny. You know, we we don't pay too much attention to Kansas football because the basketball right. team is so good, yeah. and that's their signature. But you know, you look at their last three or four head coaching hires, and they've all just kind of been disasters in their own way. And they need to find a guy, whoever that guy is, whether it's Bill Clark or anybody else, uh, the guy that they that can that they that can be like a Matt Campbell and know that they're going to sustain keeping that guy in that position for four or five years. Give him the time to do his job, and at the very least, say you know what—if you get to five hundred, we're happy. Yeah. You know, get us to a bowl game every other year, we'll be thrilled. I, I think that's kind of the goal—that's the immediate goal, of Kansas, right now. But that immediate goal, to me, happens in three, four years because they're still—they're right. still at a talent deficit compared to everybody else in the conference.
1: They don't have Coastal Carolina on their schedule this year, do they? Well, let's hope not. And, and
2: I, I do know a lot of people have Chadwell
0: on their coaches list. If he didn't take the South Carolina job, I'm sorry, Kansas fans, he is not going to take your football job mm. if he didn't take an no, SEC job. No,
2: absolutely
0: uh, It's March. We're talking Kansas football. No, let's get off of it. You're a good point, Trey. <laughs> let's talk Kansas basketball. This Jayhawk team, not what we're maybe used to. Better and though, lately. They're better, but they're a good team. Not an elite team. Not a great team. How good can this team still be come tournament time? Do you not knowing what the bracket's going to look like, where they're going to be seated? Do you still have in the back of your mind, you know what, this is a team that can make that run, that magical run, and, and get to an Elite Eight, play in a Final Four, that type of team?
2: I, I think their ceilings are Sweet 16, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, mm-hmm. They've got five really good starters who are playing really well right now. But beyond that, they don't have much depth. Now, if somebody like a Mitch Lightfoot or a Bryce Williams comes in and really starts giving them quality minutes off the bench, that's a bonus but their five starters are very good. They're playing at a high level right now. I could see them getting to the second weekend of the tournament, but I don't see them getting much farther because I think they're going to be about a four probably like, you know, Lenardi and Palmer both projecting and that's going to put them in the path of a one seed uh, in the sweet 16. And, you know, heaven helped them if they end up in, in the first region with Gonzaga. Because uh, I don't think that's a game they can win. No. Uh, even though they played each other they did. earlier this year, and they yeah. it, was, it was a it was an okay game. I mean, yeah. Kansas lost, but it was an okay game. But, you know, that depth is what's going to kill them. You know, just not having a two or three guys off the bench that they can rely on to give them, you know, 12, 15 minutes a game. I think that's what's going to get them in the end.
1: Uh, Agbaji seems to be playing his best ball of the year. We know about McCormick and Garrett. Uh, Agbaji if uh, he gives them anything, all right. So, uh, so let's move on. Is this all about Baylor this week in uh, in 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 the Big 12 tournament? If not, Baylor. Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports. Who?
2: Well, you
3: know
2: anybody can beat Baylor in a game. You know, one game, one oh, a one off forty minute game. If you're looking at the team or the teams that have the best tools to do it. I still think West Virginia has, you know, the tools to do it. They played them to overtime last week. Um, they can match them on the perimeter. I think they're a little better inside. They've got about as much depth as Baylor does. They played a really good game against them in Morgantown, so I think they have the tools to do it. And, and then the other team that I think has the tools to do it right now is Texas. Um, they're a better team than they were a month ago when they played Baylor and they lost by nine. They finally got their balance back in the front court and the back court. They're the one team in the conference that I think can really kind of overwhelm Baylor in their front court and still be able to shoot a good percentage from the outside. Those are the two teams that I'm looking at right now. I think they're the two biggest threats to Baylor going into this tournament.
1: Well, and Texas is on the right side of the bracket. Yeah. Texas
0: Tech, always intrigued by Chris Beard's team. He played in the last national championship game that feels like a lifetime ago against Virginia that went the other way. This team has been so inconsistent, and right at the end of the season, I got some futures tickets on them, not going to lie, so uh, they're rounding into form. And then the performance Sunday against Baylor, it was just bad. Why hasn't this Texas Tech team been able to click consistently this year?
2: I think part of it is just they haven't had the COVID pause, but they've been involved in practically every COVID pause in the conference this year. So every time somebody else goes on a COVID pause, they have to pause. They mm-hmm. they they just they have to stop playing. So it seems like every time they get some momentum going, they have to stop for a week and practice and then get back to, to playing games. That said... You know, going into the NCAA tournament, their defense is built for that kind of a tournament uh, because they're so good on that end of the floor. The problem is, offensively, they have one night where they shoot really, really well, and then they have the next night where they sh- they just don't shoot very well from the outside, or they don't uh, that the baskets don't fall for them inside. They're probably the most inconsistent offensive team of the seven teams that are we're expecting to go to the NCAA tournament, and they're not a high-level scoring team. So, you know. They have those occasional games where they score 80 points, but they're going to be most successful in this tournament and the NCAA tournament if they can hold their opponent to 60, 65 points, and you know put themselves in a position where their defense helps them win the game.
1: I uh, want you you uh, did your uh, players of the year in the Big 12, map Postons. I do want to get to the Cowboys since you cover them as well. I I get the Jared Butler uh, player of the year. Um, kind of a body of work, uh, if you will. And Cunningham is your freshman of the year. Man, th- this Cunningham to me is the best player in the conference. If there was a an award for not player of the year, not freshman of the year, but best player in the conference, is it Cunningham?
2: Yeah, I think you can make a strong case for Cunningham, and I think you can make a strong case for Butler. I mean, those are the two guys I kind of went back and forth on. And I admit freely, after that 40-point game against Oklahoma last weekend, I I waffled a little bit between the two of them because Cunningham has really had a tremendous arc the last two, three weeks in his play. He's always been really consistent, but the last two or three weeks, you can see kind of a ratchet up in what he's been able to do, especially on the offensive side of the floor. I just feel like Butler's been so consistent all year, and I feel like if you unplug, if you unplug either one of those players from their teams, they've got problems. But you look at what Oklahoma did against Oklahoma State, did against West Virginia on Saturday without Cunningham and without Likely, winning that game. Crazy. I don't know. That actually kind of, I, you know, you can make a case for both of them. I mean, Cunningham is a tremendous player. They're just different guys because Cunningham is so tall; he can play four different positions can do a lot of different things for you. Butler's a great shooter, a great defender, but he's he's primarily going to be a, a one or a two guard for you uh, in the NBA. It, it's just, you know, it's like the, the, the point I made in my piece when I did the first, second, and third teams, and they're up on the site now, too. There are eight, nine, ten guys who are legitimately first-team guards in this conference. I mean, you can legitimately make a case they should be on the first team, and it's just insane the amount of guard talent this conference has right now
1: just, just one more on 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 Cunningham. is he the best one and dunner you've seen since kevin durant in the big 12
2: in the big 12 yeah i think so i think what makes him so good is he's so polished you know uh-huh. i hear scouts talk about um you know he's he's ready made he's got everything he's a safe pick quote unquote Safe means that he's going to have a 15-year career in the NBA and probably be top 30 in scoring every year, and be one of the best all-around players in the league. I'll take that with my number one overall pick every single time. He's uh, he he's just it's just he's so quiet about it. You know, he he's not loud about being a quote unquote one and done guy. He's fit into his team so well, mm-hmm. and he's made this team good, really good this year. He's made this program better the next couple of years. Watch these guys like Avery Anderson, the Boone Brothers. Um, Rondell Walker, who was another top 100 recruit. This team's going to be really, really good the next couple of years, and this is going to be a big boost to the kind of talent that Mike Boynton's going to be able to bring into Stillwater. So about a month ago, Matt, you uh,
0: put out an article talking about possible candidates for the Iowa State job. You got your wrist slapped by some Cyclone fans because you didn't have <laughs> T.J. <T>. Hasselberger <laughs> in there. But I thought it was a, a good jumping-off spot. Here we are a month later waiting for the inevitable Axe to drop here, and, uh, and away we go. Any names still on that list that you like? Anything that you've heard? And it's, it's always good getting a kind of an outsider perspective, somebody that covers the Big 12, but not from the state what you're hearing. Anything on the Iowa State job when it comes open?
2: Uh, nothing concrete. I, I think that Jamie Pollard would be well served doing a a significant search um, because what happened this season. I mean, Iowa State standard isn't Kansas is standard, but it's still a standard. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, it's still a proud program, and 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 you know, basketball is one of those things they really hang their hat on there in Ames. You know, I, I like all the guys that I listed on my list. I don't I don't necessarily think it's an assistance job. Unless you want to get a guy like Jerome Tang from Baylor, who's been around a long time and knows the conference and knows how to recruit, um, you know. As for Ot, yeah, absolutely. You give him a call, you kick the tires, you, you chat with him. But understand this: he's sitting on the number seventeen recruiting class in the country right now at UNLV, and his previous class was number thirty-eight. So he is owning Las Vegas, which has a ton of talent. Yes, they do. And while their record doesn't look great this year that team has the potential to really explode the next couple of years. So I, I think that's going to make things difficult in terms of prying him away from Las Vegas unless he just really wants to come back to the Midwest and be closer to his home in Wisconsin.
1: Uh, Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Matt, last thing for you, cover the Cowboys as well. Uh, the check as well hasn't been written, but the contract <laughs> is, is done. Dak Prescott, four years. When the contract's up, he's going to be what thirty-two, and he's probably got another break the banker in his future. Uh, This also sets the bar for some of the other young quarterbacks that are about to get paid, right? A Lamar Jackson, a Josh Allen, some of those guys. Um, How painful was this for the Cowboys to write this check to Dak Prescott? What took it so long? Uh, And were you
2: surprised it was it's air quote only four years? Um. I'm not surprised it's only four years. I mean, that's kind of what Dak and his agent wanted in the first place, and I think that's been one of the sticking points for the last year. Not so much the money. I don't think the Cowboys were worried about paying him $40 million a year, and if you hear R. Mike Fisher tell it, you know, the Cowboys, Stephen Jones and, and Todd France, Dak's agent, they got this done in a day. I mean, they finally got it done yesterday before the tag deadline. So um, I think they were haggling over the years mostly. I don't think the Cowboys wanted to give them – like a a five, six, seven year contract or the Cowboys wanted something longer term. Dak wanted something shorter term. And I think they landed toward the four years that Dak wanted. I, I think the big thing for them is, you know, there's, there's opportunities to, to void out the contract. I think after three years, we're still learning more details about the contract, but it could be voided after three years. There's a lot of guaranteed money in there, but a lot of it's up front. So I think, The Cowboys are banking on the next television contract being a really big contract, which will inflate the salary cap, which will give them more money to work with. But I think the nice thing for them is they know who their quarterback is going to be for the next four years. There doesn't have to be any drama around that now. Now they can concentrate on fixing their defense and their offensive line.
1: Well, and that removes one of the four locations that Russell Wilson may uh, be interested in playing at. And I know there's a lot of Bears fans uh, that we're glad to see one of them scratched out. And now, potentially, they're down to three if there's going to be movement at all. Matt Poston's great stuff. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate you coming on.
2: Hey, thanks, guys.
1: Good to talk to you. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports, uh, as we talk a little Big 12 uh, Trey Lance's uh, pro day is on Friday. A lot of scouts oh, salivating nice. for that. We're about to get into this NFL draft.
0: Did you see, what was it Brandon Smith, what he did it?
1: Trent, that is unbelievable. 44-inch vertical. Holy mackerel. We knew he was a physical specimen. Oh, that was next-level stuff. That's athleticism, is
0: it not? Jesus. Is that a Nate Stanley slash Spencer Petrus problem that he mm. want, finish his career with mm. about 50 catches? Mm. Or... Is it a scheme, or is he a guy that's really good with the shorts on? He put the helmet yeah, the shoulder pads, and there's of plenty of those guys, yeah, too.
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Zuba Mehente will join us next. We'll uh, talk to our friend Zuba Mehente from ESPN, Trent's Play of the Day. One for one to start the week. Uh, we'll have another one coming up here toward the end of the program. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and dot
0: 10- org. Trent Condon here for the Urology Center of Iowa. Well, I did it. I had my vasectomy procedure with the Urology Center of Iowa. It was quick efficient and i was in and out in less than a half hour the big bracket for college hoops is coming out soon if you want an excuse to chill on the couch while watching wall-to-wall basketball then it's time to make the call to the urology center of iowa to schedule your vasectomy call 515-400-3550 or online at iowauro.com vasectomies with the urology center of iowa and tell them you heard it no Trek Codden here to let you know my good friends at Renters Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renters Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renters Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent... They're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to renterswarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today. Or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always. Billiard's Illinois. The 2021 Spring Polar Plunge for Special Olympics Iowa is right around the corner. Registration is happening right now on the Special Olympics website, soiowa.org slash plunge. The event will take place on Saturday, April 17th at Lake Aquabi in Warren County. And if you're interested in joining the fun but don't want to leave your home, that's okay too. Register to take the plunge virtually and help out Special Olympics Iowa. More information, soiowa.org slash plunge.
1: Welcome back, 11.30 on a Tuesday. Zubin Mehente joins us in his regular spot. We're grateful for that. Of course, uh, Zubin, you can hear along with Jay Williams, Keyshawn Johnson, ESPN Radio Mornings. Good morning to you, Zubin Mehente. How are you?
3: Good. It's 55 degrees in New York. So it's like the first day I haven't worn a jacket in a nice. really long time. So it's never quite that uh, warm when it's 5 o'clock and I'm walking to work. But I'll take it
1: today. <laughs> no, I bet not. Well, 72 degrees here at Zuba, not just to, to rub it in right. a little bit. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> We're <laughs> certainly due for it. After, when was the polar. What do they call it? Vortex? Mm-hmm. Know, not too many weeks ago. What yeah. a difference. Anyway, Zubin, you know, I'm, I'm uh, anxious to ask you this, Zubin, because it's the it's March Madness and dot, dot, dot. And it's a crazy time of year. And yet uh, it's also for the NFL fans. And the NFL moves the needle like none other. We're coming to the end of transition. The league window starts. Uh, the new year, league year, I think is how they uh, refer to it, uh, begins Uh, next week, which means free agency kicks off. You've got that two days of not tampering, but it is tampering uh, ahead of time. How do you guys handle that as far as um, what gets the play? What would get the lead uh, when you guys are having your pre-show meetings and your producers are trying to figure out what's going to move the needle on ESPN radio? NFL, which is so popular, or the tournament, especially after we had it taken away from us last year?
3: Okay, yeah, this is a true story. Today, we were on the air for four hours. We did not mention March Madness in any way, huh. in any way. Camp Week, Jay and I talked about it during the commercial break. <laughs> well, um, not once. Not once. Gonzaga played last night. Duke playing today. I mean, you know, fighting for their lives, all this stuff, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we did not touch. We talked more about West Miles today uh-huh. than we talked about that. Now, I'll tell you this, on the other side, so basically, don't get me wrong, I love college basketball as much as you guys do. Jay has the withdrawal. He wants to talk about it more. We'll have Seth Greenberg on tomorrow. But we have something at ESPN called fan engagement. And it's basically a group of people that work with the company that basically just interview fans, people that watch ESPN, people that love sports, and what do you want to talk about? And consistently the number one topic is not just the National Football League. I mean, that's far and away number one. It's not even close. Uh, to the point where you can see our ratings dip when we start talking about things other than football, at least on our debate-related shows. Um, But all of our fan engagement, you know, every day, thank goodness Dak signed that contract, because every day (laughs) we were trying to come up with different angles for Dak, and our fan engagement people said, you guys would be tired of talking about it all day, every day. Fans love it, and they can't get enough. So sometimes even when you think something has been talked to, it's pulp, and there's nowhere you can go. Um, fans just can't get enough. So I guess Deshaun would be next. Russell Wilson would be next. Some sort of NFL quarterback conversation. But consistently, no matter how much you turn on the TV and people complain how much we're talking about Dak, Cowboys haven't played in the Super Bowl since January of 96. Dak mm-hmm. was two and a half years old. cooled on the Cowboys Super Bowl talk. Our people tell us. The research people tell us. That is the that is the number one thing people want to talk to us about.
0: That is wild. Mm-hmm. But I guess it shouldn't be. And this off season yeah, we have football- had... With the quarterbacks, so many conversations that has kind of filtered through. We don't have a standard scouting. I heard Mark Mike Florio last week talking a little bit about this and in the past when he started Pro Football Talk, it was the biggest traffic that they got was March and April. It was actually more traffic than they got during the course of the season. The conversation piece and now with the quarterbacks being a bigger part. Ultimately though, are we just heading down the path of these were good things for people in our business, Zubin, but There's not going to be a whole lot of change. We're still going to see Russell calling his home in Seattle. Watson, they'll figure it out in Houston. And ultimately, it turns into a lot of talk about nothing. Or do you still expect to see a lot of that big change at the front of the NFL?
3: I'll split the difference. Um, I don't have any inside information. But from the guys that I talk to here, they just don't think Deshaun Watson is ever going to return to the Houston Texans. Now, they could go nuclear. They could find him. He's got a no-trade clause. There's all sorts of issues percolating there. But from the people that I talk to that that really talk to people inside the league, they are really staunchly on he is never going to play for them. Again, uh, despite them not picking up the phone, all these stories you hear, he's our guy, um, they do have team control over him. There's all sorts of issues there. Um, but I think that one is the next one to move because I think our guys just seem to think he's gone. The Wilson one, We talked about it with Schefter this morning. It's like being a little pregnant. It's like, I don't want to be traded. But if I am, here's my choice. It's like you can't really have it both ways on that. So I think Russ probably doesn't go anywhere. Obviously, now the Cowboys are off his wish list down in Chicago, Las Vegas, New Orleans. I just don't see New Orleans as a fit. Now, the Bears obviously trend, the Bears trend, if you can make that work, Mm -hmm. that would be incredible. Um, But I think there's going to be some movement. The other thing that we're finding is, with the lack of people watching a lot of games, the teams that are really resonating the most are the teams. This seems obvious, but sometimes it doesn't. It's the teams with the most storyline. So that's why the Cowboys would resonate the most. The Dak storyline is just too juicy. But I'll give you a quick NBA example. The highest-rated team that uh, pulls in the most ratings on ESPN when they're on are the Brooklyn Nets. Really? And you couldn't have said that before this season. But obviously, they have a tremendous storyline. They have their own big three. Kyrie's kind of off doing whatever. Harden's playing great. Durant is hurt. Steve Nash is coaching the team. They look like they're great. I mean, they just added Blake Griffin. And, again, this is a, a, just a team that's just teaming with storylines. They're exciting to watch if you like basketball. But, again, a year ago, I don't think the Brooklyn Nets would have been the answer to this question, Is my guess. Um, so I, a lot of it just ties back to who's got things people just want to chat about. Because I think right now people are chatting more than they're watching.
1: Uh, we will get to the brackets. Just one more on the NFL. And I don't know if you know the answer to this or, or maybe the next time you – uh, Mel Kuyper's in with you guys. You could ask him this. But at ESPN.com, the most clicked-upon story is what? I would have to think Kuyper's on that list. When he puts out his mock draft, uh, it's such a huge industry, and there's so much interest from team, from fan bases of 32 teams, after all. That has to be the most read, or maybe I'm completely off here, uh, the most uh, read article at ESPN.com. Do you know?
3: Yeah, the thing that that there's a bit of a transition period going on because for our people like Mel, uh, that information that people crave, um, this is just the reality of, of 2021 in economics. We're moving a lot of the high-profile uh, writer establishments to ESPN Plus, which mm-hmm. is our streaming service. Yep. So in many ways, articles that used to be on ESPN.com, you can still find them there. We're still going to talk about them. I mean, when we talk to Mel and Pod, I mean, we obviously say, "Look, you know." Uh, You can check the story out on ESPNPlus.com. But if you're listening right now in your car, your work, or whatever, we're just going to break down whatever is there. So the numbers are a little bit tough to gauge at this point um, because not everything um, is on ESPN.com. I would say the work that we basically uh, think people will most want to click on for obvious business reasons go behind uh, ESPN Plus. So it's kind of up in the air right now uh, based upon where the article lands, on the free website or on ESPN Plus. So let's move to
0: college basketball. Your Scarlet Knights got it done over the weekend in the barn—a needed victory—and <laughs> a great cover in overtime. Love that out of Rutgers. Zubin, uh, what do you look at this thing though? I, I want to start with Joey brackets. Lenardi—it's a cottage industry. This guy, though, there are hundreds as you go to bracket matrix. People that put out put out their brackets every single week and sometimes daily for the different ones. Your interactions with him and just at this time, what this guy goes through. It, doesn't, it feels like you flip on a college basketball game, and that guy's there every single time here over these final couple weeks.
3: Yeah, I mean, we we had jokingly years ago built him a bunker, and it's, it's actually just a room right. that sort of looks like he's decked out and hasn't seen sunlight in like three weeks. <laughs> right. But it's one of those things where I think it, it just goes back to Mel When you have people that live it, like it's hard to describe How much Mel is into the NFL draft, and it's hard to describe how much Leonardi is into this. Now, I think a lot of it, as you know, Trent, because you've you know, look, I mean, you follow this closely. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is just understanding bracketing principles, right? (laughs) Understanding that almost you know a half the field is automatic qualifiers, right? Understanding that certain teams that you know, if you're a power conference team, the worst you could probably get is going to be on the 12 line. Once you start to get 13, 14, 15, 16, you're looking at AQ, low qualifier AQs from non-power, non-power five, non-power six conferences. And what I think he's done more than anything is educate fans on that. Because I think right now, if you're really good at what you do, easy for me to say because I don't do it, but if you're really good at what you do, you should be able to get, you know, he and Jerry Palm should be able to get, 66, 67 of them. Now, getting the seeding is completely different, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think you should be able to get most of those right. But I think his biggest contribution over the last several years is more and more people wanted to understand the construction of the bracket. It's sort of like people, you know, it's sort of like people want to understand the cap more. I, I could be wrong, but I thought five or ten years ago, nobody cared about the salary cap. Nobody cared about spreading out dead money. Now it's all these sorts. Mm-hmm. You can go on ESPN.com and do the NBA trade machine and pull your own trades off, you know? So I think a lot of it has just gone to, for guys like Lenardi, not just kind of being in it, living it, breathing it, and all that sort of stuff, and updating it every day, but taking fans closer into it so they can almost sort of be a part of it. It's just one of those things where I don't think we were into this stuff 10 or 15 years ago. It was almost seen as, like, too highbrow or too nerdy, and now it's one of those things where knowing every little intricacy of everything helps you win that bar argument, so... I've seen an evolution a little bit. He's still as gung-ho as ever. But if you met him, and he's a really nice guy, if you met him and said, hey, can you help me understand this, that, or whatever, I think that's what fans want to know more of, especially how can Michigan State get in? How can Duke get in? When those are the types of questions that normally we're never asking, and now you have to look down the bracket and try to find a spot for those guys. So I think their expertise has actually
1: helped fans in a different way now. Zubin Mehente is our guest. Zubin, uh, since since you didn't talk March Madness today, I'm going to have to ask you to go back in your memory bank. But when the last time you had a college basketball conversation, pursue it to what we're going to see unfold in Indianapolis. Was there somebody that you talked to that threw out a team that – Well, you don't know this. This team is going to be way overseeded. They just don't belong. Or conversely, is there a team that's going to get in that somebody said, "Look out for this team." Um, I'm trying to pick your brain and give our audience some help because we're all going to be filling out brackets. Uh, Did you come across any of those instances that you can recall?
3: Yeah, in hindsight, in 2020, I wish we would have talked a little bit more about Illinois. But I think after IU had the uh, broken nose. Uh, We didn't really talk about it, and then all they did is just keep winning. Uh, In hindsight, I really would love to have Seth Greenberg on tomorrow. I think we might just ask about how they were able to do it, even though I know he has turned and all that has taken place. But I'll I'll be honest, the team that we really talked about was Michigan a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I was watching College game day on Saturday morning, and Seth was trying to make the case that Michigan is the best team in the country. Uh, Stephen A. Smith just did an interview with Juwan Howard. We had Jalen Rose on. I think it's been 29 or 30 years since the anniversary of the Fab Five's first Final Four Um, So from that perspective, they were so high on Michigan, and then I believe just hours later they got stomped by Illinois, and then the head scratcher against Michigan State. I think the team we've been sleeping on a little bit is is Baylor. It just it just goes to show. I know it's the three week layoff, but you're telling me. I mean, you know, the the barely escape against Iowa State. Kansas is playing a lot better basketball, Mm -hmm. but then what they did to reestablish order against Texas Tech. I just think for whatever reason, we're still sleeping on Baylor. I'm not exactly sure why that's the team we should be talking about more we spent a lot of time talking about michigan and deservedly so their body of work is tremendous uh but the last week or so has not been and ho hum gondaga wins again last night barely even mentioned um and maybe that's just the way uh that they like it but there's going to be more oxygen here still the duke survives today there'll be more oxygen (laughs) about their case to just get in than there will about teams like gondaga and baylor trying to win their first championships
0: Speaking of Duke and the ACC, conference stinks this year. I mean, there's no two ways around it. It's just not a very good conference. And last year, though we didn't get an NCAA tournament, they were tracking towards maybe only four or five bids in a 15-team league. Zubin, is this something that we need to keep an eye on? ACC basketball, for people of our generation, Zubin, that's what it was for Ken's generation. ACC basketball. Yes. What's going on there? Anything you can put your finger on?
3: You know, it's funny. I was talking to Jay about this not too long ago. They celebrated the 20th anniversary of one of the greatest games between Duke and Maryland. Oh, yes. You, get anymore. you might remember uh-huh. Duke was down 10 with a minute to go and won the game. And, you know, again, I mean, Duke and Carolina, is Duke and Carolina. But if you're not old enough to remember Duke, Maryland, that's a big extraction from the ACC. The other the other two things I would say, and I don't want to be too alarmist about this, but I, I, I think it's OK to talk about, you know, when you're coming off Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish, <laughs> that is just, I mean, it's impossible to yeah. follow that considering how well, I mean, Cam's okay. I mean, RJ's really turned it around this year after a rocky rookie year. And, and I'll be honest with you, Zion is, is <laughs> it's amazing that Zion's flying under the radar, but he's playing outstanding basketball. When you have those three guys as your recruiting class, it's just impossible to top. But I'll be honest with you, if you really want to pick a nit, and I'm not a big nit picker, but if you really want to pick a nit, Duke's recruiting the last couple of years, not great. Like, Matthew Hurd didn't turn out to be very good until this year. Saw the Jalen Johnson thing. Cassius Stanley, a nice kid, great dunker, picked in the second round by the Pacers, two-way guy with the G League, the Fort Wade Mad Ant. Again, I, I think most teams in America would love to recruit the way Mike has, but there it just you can tell mm-hmm. the last couple of years it just hasn't quite been the same. And I'll be honest with you, I thought North Carolina, who brought in three five-star freshmen, I didn't even think they started playing well until late in the season. I don't think any of them right. were having breakout campaigns. They have played well here over the last couple of weeks for sure. But if you're telling me, and this is a very small sample size, but over the last couple of years, if Duke and North Carolina are not recruiting to the levels that Duke and North Carolina are, and you see this with Kentucky too, like Boston is just not really turned out to be that great. Again, it could be the pandemic, it could be the adjustment period. I certainly Certainly, give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But there's something about Duke and Carolina's recruiting the last couple of years, particularly Duke, if you dig in, just not to say. It's still awesome and elite, and I bet most coaches would take it, but there's just something missing. And I don't know if I'm overstating that. There's nope. something missing there.
1: No, I couldn't agree with you more, Zubin. And uh, when the two flag carriers for the conference in North Carolina and Duke are down, uh, the, the entire conference is going to be seen as being down. Look, mm-hmm. it's appointment television for me. Um, on the final Saturday night of the regular season, we saw this weekend, North Carolina-Duke, it's a wonderful end. It's You see this game, and then here we go. Conference tournaments are upon us, and NCAA uh, is the following week. And this, there was zero buzz about this game either time that it was played this year, and I think you're spot on. Zubin, we are out of time. Thank you, as always, uh, for what you bring to our show. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Zubin. See you, guys. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahante. ESPN. Good point on the ACC, Trent. It's but when North Carolina and Duke aren't holding up their end of the bargain, Virginia won the last national championship. Uh-huh. But yep. last year that was
0: not a good league. Nope. This year it's Virginia say, won the regular season, and I don't think they're that good. And here's the other thing: the Big East isn't very good this year either, no, and especially now no. with Villanova and the Gillespie injury. Mm-hmm. I can For a child of the '80s, I cannot fathom this. No. The Big East and the ACC are terrible at basketball. Been bad for a couple of years now.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a big issues. That big East tournament oh. used to be my favorite, and it wasn't even close. That Saturday night, oh, Madison Square
0: Garden, St. John's yep. against Georgetown, yep. Villanova, yep. Syracuse when they were in. Yes, it. Just Jesus. Those were just I remember AI Georgetown yeah. those teams and him out there just absolutely dominating. And then Victor Page trying to do the same thing as impression, going about four twenty two from the field a couple of years later. <laughs> That was college basketball for me. And now, mm-hmm. it's just not the same. UConn being there helps. There's something they had about, a good year this year. They're they playing. Did. They're playing well at the right time. And the Big East needs that. Yeah. The collection of 10 yeah. small private schools, we know here at Creighton, but it still doesn't even feel like a Big East team, does it? No, of course not. No. It just... but in Omaha. Right. <laughs> they're, they're in Omaha. Marquette, who's right. been in the Big East for yeah. a long time now, yeah.
1: it's still... Not the biggies that we grew up with. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Uh, Trent's play of the day coming up next. We'll let you know what we're doing tomorrow. We've got high school basketball with d- uh, disrupt the 10 to noon. But not if you're a high school basketball fan because you want to hear this. We'll tell you on the other side. It's 1460. KXNO and what? RP.com. It's that time
0: of year again. Conference tournaments are tipping off. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope is a long run.
1: DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new customers in the center of the action.
0: Check this out. Bet $4 on an underdog, win 250 Fifty-six dollars if they win. It's that simple. Bet $4 on an underdog in select college basketball games. If they win, boom, bang, you collect $256.
1: There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than putting your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO. That's to turn $4 into
0: $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code KXNO to turn 4 into
1: $256. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call Tuesdays. Joined by Dr. Heidi Bell
0: with Elite Eye Care in West Des Moines. It's football season. Concussions always a big topic.
2: This year, two to three million sports-related concussions will occur, and about half of those go unreported. Two out of every ten high school students will suffer a concussion. The most important part is following through with your doctor, but the recommendations are different than they used to be. At Elite Eye Care, we can diagnose and treat the post-concussion
0: visual symptoms that typically exist. That's Dr. Heidi Bell with Elite Eye Care. University Avenue. org. Global Direct Mail and Marketing is a local design and print shop that'll help you from start to finish. From design to printing and mailing it for you. From wedding invitations to birth announcements. No matter how big or small your project is, Global will work with you from creating a custom design to getting your project inserted into the mail. And Global can help your business grow with custom mailers designed to help you bring new customers through your doors. Call Craig at 515-282-3000. 282 3000. It's global direct mail and marketing.
1: I'm Miller and Conding wrapping up a Tuesday. 1460 KXO, 106.3 FM. All star numbers tanking again this year. They continue to plummet the NBA All Star game. Um, I'm not surprised that they're no. going down. I think they did a f- uh, 5.9 million watch that meanwhile 17.1 were watching Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. That'll hurt, right? Yeah, there was right. nothing else uh, Sunday
0: night I would guess a year ago that would well, did they have the All-Star? Yeah, it was in February.
1: They did, did they? Have the All-Star game. Yeah, it okay, was in I'll February. For I don't, I, That's uh, what it normally is, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I yeah. think it is in February. No, you are right. It is both of the NHL well, anyways, I'm not. I, I like the baseball all star game. That's yeah. it as far as those. Uh, your P O D is whom? All right, kind of slim pickens again today. There's not a lot of games. Yes, lay the lay lay the lumber and take the zags. You like that one? I huh? don't. I mm. I think I'm gonna be on BYU. I don't love it tonight though. You're gonna be on BYU? I think
0: so. 14 and a half. Yeah, just maybe fingers crossed that we'll actually get a decent game. Yeah. With the zags. I do have a play out west though. Okay. Let's go to the Big West. Okay. As former Hawkeye. Yes. Playing for Cal Poly.
1: Right, against Fullerton. Against Fullerton tonight. And that tournament's says how, how crazy is Vegas, right? That tournament's at Mandalay Bay. The Orleans hosts the Gonzaga, the <laughs> West Coast Conference. Um, Sam Mack gets going next week. Yeah. And then the uh, T-Mobile the, with the Pac-12. Crazy Vegas, great place this week. Anyways, who do you like? Riley Till. Riley Till? Plays for Cal Poly. Okay. They're awful.
0: They're yeah. Terrible. They're 3-19 bad. Fullerton's not much better, but I'm going to lay the 5. Hopefully we get a little uh, baseball resurgence here with the Titans. Give me Fullerton laying the 5. All right. That's what we're picking through until we get to tomorrow, because then, Ken Miller... The slate widens.
1: How's Riley Till's brother-in-law doing this offseason? Any word? Got to get healthy, right? I hope so, yeah. He is so fun to watch. He is. There's no doubt about that. We're talking about George George Kittle for people that
0: don't know, yes. Claire Till, his uh, sister, married George, former Iowa basketball player. But him or Kelsey? A healthy one of those. For one game, who are you taking? Darren Waller? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> Got to choose one of those two. Kittle, I think so too. Healthy, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. For one game, full season. Oh, look, they're both good. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those ones. Well, you take him. I'll take him. I'll be fine. Uh, Murph and Andy coming up in an hour. Well, an hour and five minutes. One to three, and then the Fanatics three to six. Morning rush starts a Wednesday. Tomorrow morning at six a.m. We're Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three FM.